0: Welcome to The Hills, all of you in person at the North Richmond Hills and West Fort Worth campus. And I join with our host in a special shout out to all of you at the South Lake campus today as we celebrate 10 years of our partnership together in the mission of The Hills Church. One of the things that's been the hardest for me during the pandemic, I love to get to visit all the campuses. I've only been at the West Fort Worth campus one time since we got into the new building because of the pandemic. I can't wait to get back. And I haven't been at the Southlake campus in person in a long time, and we're going to fix that just as soon as we can, and I hope sooner than later in the new building. So I love every campus. I love all of you, but especially today to shout to Southlake, we celebrate you. And I want to give a shout out to all of you watching online across the country. Now, we're wrapping up today a series on anxiety. And I know that many of you watching me today across the country are very, very anxious because you are fans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Green Bay Packers or the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs, and you are very anxious about whether or not your team is going to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm gonna give you some advice. Move to Texas and become a fan of the Dallas Cowboys because we never have to worry if we're going to the Super Bowl, right? I hope that helped, <laughs> and I hope this series has been helping as well. I've titled it Keep Calm. Let me show you where I got the title. You might be familiar with this poster, and here's the backstory. It's 1939. England and Germany are at war. Every day, the Luftwaffe, the Nazi air machine, is bombing England. And the uh, Ministry of Defense knows keeping the morale of the people up is a high priority. So they spend to print millions of posters, three particular posters they're going to put across the country. The first one said, your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second one said, freedom is in peril. Defend it with all your might. The third poster, under the Tudor crown was to say keep calm and carry on. They printed two and a half million of these posters. They were going to put them up when, as expected, Germany actually invaded England. Well, that never happened. The posters never went up. There was a serious paper shortage, so they simply recycled most of them. It was in uh, the year 2000 in a bookstore in England. A man is getting some old books out of a box and he finds one of these posters at the bottom. He puts it up on the wall of the bookstore, and the thing just went viral. I don't think they had internet back then, but it went viral. And that's where the story came, keep calm and carry on. And one of the takeaways from that story is this, that in warfare, it is critical to win the battle of the mind. Now, hold on to that thought. We've been talking about the reality of anxiety, and about the possibility of living with peace instead of panic. Now, we're humans. Moments of anxiety are unavoidable. But living in a perpetually anxious state is optional. We are contending that as followers of Jesus, we have access to spiritual resources that enable us to keep calm. Now, that's the message of Paul to the Philippian church, and we've been using one paragraph in that letter as our foundation for this series, so look at it with me again. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is giving strategy for learning not to live in a constantly anxious state. And the acrostic we've been using for this series is the word calm. The first thing we learn from Paul is that we've got to come to Jesus, okay? You go anywhere else to find rest for your soul, you will get frustrated. We need to ask God for what we need and take our anxieties and honestly put them before the throne. We need to learn to be content by being grateful and graceful people. Now, Paul, in the book of Philippians, mentions the word joy a lot. And remember, he's writing from prison. Here's a man in prison in a place that would make most of us very anxious, and he's got this contented and rested spirit. And I think there's a key. 16 times in the book of Philippians, Paul mentions your mind or your thoughts, and that's huge. So let's go back now and let's look at the last verse in that paragraph where he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, why did he add that? Because in warfare, it is critical to win the battle of the mind. The biggest challenge to finding freedom is often changing the way we think about the challenge. And if you're going to leave the prison of anxiety, you must learn to mend your mind. In fact, it's interesting. The Greek word for worry is divided mind. You are anxious because there is a battle going on in your mind. When Jesus preached his favorite sermon, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, the word repent literally means change your mind. In Jesus' famous story of the prodigal son, when the boy decides to come home, what, what phrase did Jesus use? He said, when he came to his senses, he mended his mind. You cannot stay calm if you're practicing stinking thinking, Okay? Or to put it another way, to manage anxiety, you must manage your thought life. It all begins at headquarters. The writer of Proverbs knew this in the fourth chapter. He said, be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Now this is true and you know it. That behind whatever we say, or do, or even behind whatever we are feeling is what we are thinking. In fact, my guess is most of you, if you look back on some of your biggest regrets, those things you have in your past where you wish you could go back and do over, you probably have often had this thought, what was I thinking? Now, no one realizes and strategizes according to this truth more than our enemy. Satan has something in mind for all of you. And too many of us grant him easy access to our thought life. Now, the world we live in today, everything important is behind a password, right? and it gets exhausting to remember all of them and so often we don't try very hard. They publish a list of worst passwords every year and always at the top of the list are one, two, three, four, five, six and the word password. (laughs) Now isn't it interesting that we don't think it's very important to protect that which we think is very important. The devil wants to hack your thought life. He wants access to your mind. And has it ever crossed your mind that not every thought that crosses your mind came from you? You and I have the responsibility and the capacity to be the air traffic controllers of our mental airports, and we must accept this responsibility Because repentance is more than just stopping old behaviors. It demands thinking new thoughts. People behave the way they behave because they believe what they believe. You can't get people to live in a new way if they still think in an old way. And so, we must retrain the brain. What I want to do is share with you three ideas that I think are absolutely transformative and will help you leave the prison of anxiety. And here's the first, to believe I can change the way I think. Now, let me be clear. The only reason this is true is because God enables us. Because the reality is, Scripture says, the enemy has blinded the minds of unbelievers, Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. And this is why you can't get people to live a better life simply by telling them, stop doing that. Stop that behavior. Their minds are hopelessly confused. Their minds are darkened by the enemy. I got some good news. The gospel can change anyone's mind. And so, same paragraph. Listen, what Paul says. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You see the connection? You've got to let the Spirit change your mind so that you can throw off the ways that are so destructive. It's not something we do for God as much as it's something God does for us. Same idea, Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And so, this may seem like a small thing. This is a huge thing. You don't have to keep thinking the way you've been thinking. Maybe you need to change your mind about the possibility of changing your mind. Now, let me illustrate. I read about Montana uh, ranchers that raise sheep. They have a huge problem with coyotes and wolves killing the lambs. They tried uh, electric fences. They tried sprays. You know what they found works better than anything? This, llamas. Now, llamas don't look very scary, do they? But they are aggressively curious creatures, And so they're out in the pasture, and a wolf or a coyote trots up. The llama pops his head up and says, I'm going to go see what that is, and starts walking right toward the wolf or the coyote. Now the wolf or the coyote is thinking, wait a second, you are supposed to be afraid of me. Why are you not afraid of me? That makes me afraid of you. And he runs off, which reminds me of the scripture, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What I'm saying is that some of you need to... Look the devil in the eye and say, you are not the boss of me. You don't get to tell me what to think. You don't get to land in my mental airport anymore. You can change the way you think and you can challenge anxiety producing thoughts. Now, here's the thing. Satan takes us captive by these thoughts and we don't even know he's doing it because the thoughts seem so normal we don't recognize the source. And so we allow thoughts to land on our mental airports when we should be saying no runway available. This is why we have to surrender to the Holy Spirit and let God do a work on our mind. And as we start to walk In the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what what happens. The Holy Spirit starts to help us think about what we're thinking about. The Holy Spirit starts to help us ask the question, are these thoughts helping me or harassing me? Are these thoughts convicting me or condemning me? Are these thoughts liberating me? Or are they incarcerating me? And the good news is, in the power of the Spirit, we can capture our thoughts instead of letting our thoughts capture us. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, do you understand from the beginning all the way back to the Garden of Eden, what has Satan been doing? He's trying to plant thoughts in your head that counter the truth of God. He's trying to get you to question the character and the purposes of God. And you will think anxiously if you don't think accurately about God. This is why talking about anxiety is so important. It's really, we're talking about theology, people. That's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You worry so much. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? What's going to happen tomorrow? Jesus said, don't you realize behind your anxiety is A poor view of God. He's taking care of the lilies, he's taking care of the sparrows, and you're not thinking he's going to take care of you. You will think anxiously if you don't think accurately about God. And so, when anxiety-producing thoughts arise, you need to consider, are these thoughts consistent with who God is? and with what God says. And if that thought is not in line, if it has set itself up against the knowledge of God, then you need to take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Let me illustrate this way. I'm a young boy, I'm playing little league baseball. End of the season, big game, we're down by one run, late in the game. A teammate is rounding third base. He's going to go home and score the tying run. He slides into home plate. The catcher tags him. The umpire says, you're out. The ball rose through the catcher's legs to the backstop. The catcher dropped the ball. And you heard a voice from our side of the stands. He dropped the blankety blank ball, you blankety blank. And the umpire turned to my father and said, if you don't leave the field right now, I will forfeit this game. So, my father stood up and started to walk to the parking lot. And all my teammates rushed to the dugout to say, They're throwing your dad out for cussing. Now, consider what everything around me was telling me was true. I heard the voice. I saw the umpire point at my father. I watched my father get up and walk away. I had. Reliable sources telling me this was all true. Just one problem. I knew my father. I knew that it was not in line with his character. I knew that what they were telling me was true was not consistent with the man that I knew. My father got about halfway to the parking lot when another dad stood up and said, well, if you're going to throw somebody out, throw out the man who really said it. And that man left, and my father came back. Now listen, I can't tell you how to never have anxious thoughts. Here's what I can do. Tell you to take those thoughts and present them to Christ. And say, Jesus, are these thoughts consistent with your character? Are these thoughts consistent with what you have taught? Are these thoughts in line with what you've done to prove that you love me? We sing a song that I love. Shame no longer has a place to hide and I am not a captive to the lies. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. When I stand in the truth of who God is and what God says, fear has to leave. We really can think about what we think about, and we can do something about it. I can change the way I think. I can challenge anxiety-producing thoughts, and then maybe most of all, I can choose what I will focus on. And this is huge. I can decide what gets to land in my mental airport. I can fix what I fixate on. Look again at the start of verse 8. This is what Paul said. One final thing fix your thoughts on what is. And he lists a variety of virtues. He puts the responsibility on you. He said the same thing in Colossians 3. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Listen, it is not enough just to erase unhealthy thoughts. You must replace unhealthy thoughts with healthy thoughts, thoughts that are pure and true and noble, If you know Greek mythology, you've heard of the sirens, these women that sang this beautiful music that enticed sailors and seduced them to the shore where their ships would crash on the rocks and they would drown. And only two Greek sailors got past the sirens. One was Odysseus. The way he did that was he plugged all the sailors' ears with wax so that they couldn't hear the sirens. Orpheus, however, he got past by taking out his lyre, And playing a better song, playing a song that was more noble and beautiful. Listen, church, none of us are exempt from the sow and reap principle. We cannot expect a harvest of faith and of calm when we are constantly planting seeds of chaos and fear. So I want you to do something for me. I'm going to ask you three questions, but while I'm asking, I want everyone, I don't care, sitting down at home, wherever you are, I want you to take your foot and put it out like this. Everybody, put your foot out and just keep it out. I'm going to ask you three questions. Question number one, do you believe everything you hear on the news and everything you read on the internet is true? Hold up your hand. I don't see a single hand up. Question number two, Do you believe the Bible is trustworthy? Hold up your hand. Question number three. Why do you spend so much time filling your mind with what you don't believe instead of what you do believe? Now, I told you to put your foot out so I could step on your toes just a little (laughs) bit easier. Why do we spend so much time filling our minds with what we don't even think is true? When we could fill our minds with what we know is. And I want to say again there is a clear, trackable, studied evidence of the rise of anxiety in our country with the rise of social media. So let me remind you one more time when you get on social media platforms, you are not the client, you are the product. They exist to make money by selling your attention to advertisers. And here's what they know. If they can get you enraged, they will keep you engaged. So they know what pushes your buttons and they make sure you get a steady diet of it. They know you are more apt to share a report that you didn't research that may not even be true six times more likely than you are to share something that's true. Now, I understand those platforms can have some value. I really do. I'm simply asking, when you get on social media and you then get off later, ask yourself this question. Did my time on that platform bring me closer to God? Did it calm my spirit or agitate my spirit? Is my heart in a healthier place right now because of how I just used my time? I want to ask you to stop giving mental space to that which is contrary to the wisdom and witness of God. You get to decide what is on your playlist. And know this. You can shape what you focus on. But know this. What you focus on will begin to shape you. And that's why the prophet Isaiah said of his God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And I want to tell you a story of a sister in Christ who learned this. Her name is Kristen Taylor. She lives in San Antonio. She attends the Oak Hills Church. She's the mother of three, two boys, and a daughter named Rebecca that has battled almost all her life with very serious health issues to the point she's had 55 surgeries and lived almost three years of her life in a hospital room. And Kristen has tried to lean into Philippians 4, 6, and 7 about being anxious for nothing and taking your request to God But she decided to try to lean into Philippians 4, verse 8. And I want to read her own words. Finally, brothers, whatever is true. Well, what was true in my life at this particular moment? The blessing of our family eating together. Whatever is noble, the blessing of enjoying each other's presence outside of a hospital room. Whatever is right. The blessing of experiencing my two sons' daily lives. Whatever is pure. The blessing of all three children laughing and playing with each other. Whatever is lovely. The blessing of watching Rebecca sleep peacefully in her bed at night. Whatever is admirable. The blessing of an honorable team working tirelessly on Rebecca's care. If anything is excellent. The blessing of watching a miracle unfold. Or praiseworthy. The blessing of worshiping a Lord who's worthy to be praised. Think about such things. And she goes on to write, that's what I did. I thought about those things. And she went on to say she began to be enveloped with an inexplicable peace. Does that sound familiar? She learned that she can in the power of the Holy Spirit, direct her mind. You can too. One of the great things that we have as people who believe the gospel is the capacity in the Holy Spirit to escape bondage. I put it this way. Thank God we can think God. In the moments that are frightening, in the moments that are unsettling, in the moments that are scary, we can stop and say, I can think God. That God is real, that God is on the throne, that God loves me, that God has redeemed me, that God's got a future for me, that God is going to make everything right. I can think God. I can rejoice in the Lord always. And you and I will still have anxious moments, but those moments will not rob us of the rest that Jesus is giving to our souls. Your calmness can be your witness. And so, we need a new poster. (laughs) Thank God and carry on. You can do this. You can keep calm. Let me pray for us. So, Father, thank you so much for being so real and so near. and Thank you, God, for understanding the journey we're on. We're in a battle with anxiety. We don't win every battle. You don't turn your back on us. You don't get angry at us. Instead, you pour out more Holy Spirit power on us to help us get back up and walk more in the direction of freedom. And that's what we want to do, God. We want to walk in the direction of freedom. We want our calmness to be a witness to the world of the reality of good news about the Lord Jesus. So Holy Spirit... Help us take captive every thought that does not bring honor to Christ. And Lord Jesus, we want you to come quickly. Until you do, help us live calmly. Because we believe it brings honor to you. We ask this in your name. Amen.